Worship him, saints. Worship him. Everybody say praise the Lord. God bless this beautiful choir. God bless you. You may be seated. This is a subject here that uh, you've never heard from this pulpit before. But there is a cemetery in this area that wants to provide for our church a certain section in their cemetery just for Pentecostals to be buried in. All of you folks who are interested in cemetery lots and getting something greatly reduced, I want you to see me after the service in the music room, in the, uh, the purpose room there. If you're interested and you do not have a cemetery lot for you and your family, see me and we're gonna explore the possibilities of seeing if that's made possible. You understand what I said? The cemetery wants to give us a certain area that would be just for this church and people in the church. So when the rapture takes place, everybody in there goes up. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And a lot of folks like that idea. Praise the Lord. God bless you. So it'd be following the service this morning. Amen. Man, everybody said praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. So great to see all of you in the house of the Lord today. Thank you for coming and being here and taking time out of your busy schedule to be in service with us. And there's something really joyous that happens whenever God's people all come together and they join their voices together, their faith and their hearts and hands to magnify God. What a privilege it is and what a blessing it is to be a part of a family of believers. Amen. Amen. We are delighted that you are part of that family. I wanted to also remind you that next Sunday, we have a lot going on because it's the first of the year and a lot of different initiatives that we are kicking off, but one of the things that we're really happy to announce is that next Sunday, uh, Brother Stephen Drury is going to be with us. He is the president of the uh, United Pentecostal Church Foundation and works with churches all over the country with helping them with estate planning and, and uh, looking forward to the future. I know we don't like to think about... Um, cemetery plots and we don't like to think about estate planning but you know what folks that's just the reality unless the Lord comes back one day you're going to be too old to work and uh, it's going to be important for you to be able to take a lot of cruises and have a nice retirement 
And uh, so a lot of people's retirement plan is, I'm going to win the lottery. But that's not a really good retirement plan. Everybody got hyped up over this Powerball thing, you know, uh, last week. And it got worse when we found out somebody from Melbourne Beach had won 530-something million dollars. So my friends up north were like, uh, you know, is that somebody from your church? Are they going to be paying tithes on it? I said, we're kicking off a new canvassing program in the Melbourne Beach area. <laughs> but a friend of mine that pastors in Orlando sent me a clip of a, of a, of a guy singing a song. And uh, you know that song, you thought I was worth saving, so you came. Well, he did it a little bit different, and it has to do with uh, Powerball. I think they're going to show you the clip right now. You thought it was worth playing, so you played the Powerball. You lost all your Y'all tires and quit buying them lottery tickets. <laughs> oh, I couldn't resist that. I posted that on my Facebook page and said, This is my reaction to the whole lottery powerball. <laughs> Should have paid y'all tires. Well, we're going to try to have a little better uh, planning for the future and uh, a little better handle on stewardship. and. Uh, Brother Drury will be with us uh, next week, and uh, he's going to be available uh, to even meet with individually. Uh, he'll be here speaking on Sunday morning. He'll be doing a financial seminar Sunday night, and then um, be meeting with individuals that would like to meet with him on an individual basis Monday through Wednesday. And uh, Brother Drury used to run the Tubelo Children's Mansion in Tubelo, Mississippi. I've known him for many, many years, and uh, he's a man of principle and a man that I trust highly. And uh, I know that he'll be a great blessing to our church. So just remember that uh, going forward uh, next week, and it'll be a great time uh, for all of us. I turn your attention this morning to the book of Luke chapter 22, and we begin reading in verse 35, Luke chapter uh, 22, and reading verses 35, 36, 37, and 38. Brother Richie mentioned that we're going to be uh, having five days of consecration, and what we are encouraging people to do over... Uh, the next five days, Monday through Friday, uh, is to take time to pray with your family uh, each night or in the morning or whatever is convenient for your schedule, and uh, to take a day to fast uh, social media, take a day to fast uh, movies and media, whatever that may be, and uh, take a day to fast food, and let's take five days here at the beginning of the year and really uh, consecrate ourselves to the Lord. I think it's important to do that because it sets the tone. The Bible talks a lot about um, giving of our first fruits. If you go into the Old Testament, you see the, the, the different feasts that the Jewish people had. There was 
a precedent that they would establish with each one of these as it related to the seasons that they were going into. And so at the first of the year, I believe it is important for us to make a time of consecration unto the Lord. And so we're asking for these next five days that you uh, take some time and, and focus on some spiritual goals that you would have for your home, for your family, for your marriage, and to really uh, pursue God in these next five days uh, in whatever your schedule, whatever your diet allows. I know that it will be an important aspect of your spiritual growth this year. Amen. So we'll talk more about that as we go through our sermon. Luke chapter 22 and verse 35, and he said unto them, this referring to the Lord, now the, the last supper had concluded. He had just told Peter that, Peter, though you think that you're very consecrated and dedicated to me, you will deny me three times before the rooster crows. In other words, before the morning comes. And then the Lord said to them, when I sent you without purse and scrip, which was like a little leather container that they had, a sort of a, like a wallet, and shoes, lacked ye anything? And they said nothing. Then said he unto them, but now he that hath a purse, let him take it, and likewise his script, and he that hath no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. For I say unto you that this that is written must yet be accomplished in me. And he was reckoned among the transgressors, for the things concerning me have an end. And they said, Lord, behold, here are two swords. And he said unto them, it is enough. I would like to speak this morning on this subject, the God of enough. The God of enough. Would you bow your heads and pray with us? Lord, we're so thankful to be in your presence. Thankful for your spirit, the atmosphere that we are in right now that we can come into your presence and you allow us to know you on such an intimate level. We ask you, Lord, that you would allow our hearts and minds to receive your word, that we might grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us leave changed from when we came, and we will give you the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Enough is an interesting word. It's, uh, in fact, a concept that's quite interesting, and I believe that it is lost on most children. Um, when I was a kid, I can remember my parents saying to uh, me and my friends or uh, my sibling, we were playing and maybe uh, sort of got out of hand or it got too uh, rambunctious. They would always say, okay, that's enough. How many of you ever had your parents or that's enough? And uh, it's something that you don't really... Uh, those words uh, are some sort of an ancient dialect that does not register in your mind and in your spirit when you're young. And in fact, sometimes uh, whenever you're uh, a child, and maybe not even a child, because some uh, adults I'm thinking of never really learned this lesson, but when you're a child and you know the, uh, the food comes by and you're really digging into the mashed potatoes or the chicken parmesan or the pasta, and you're, when you're young, you don't really realize that there's one bowl of spaghetti and there's 12 people at the table and the other 11 people are waiting on you. So the, the, the kids are always like digging in and wanting more and mashed potatoes. And then when you get to the desserts, you know, it's really uh, hard to have any kind of a governor on your appetite because, you know, they're digging in the ice cream and all that. And I, I, I can remember my mom and now I hear my wife say, okay, that's enough. Okay, save some for the others. That's enough. And, and it, it, it just kind of, you know, there's a glazed over look in their eye because there's just something about us that when something's really good, we want more of it. That's just part uh, of our nature. We grow up into adulthood and we get, you know, a job and a car and a loan and a house and, and a, you know, a wife or a family or whatever. And, and, and the Lord says... That's enough. But that doesn't really register with us. Even as adults, we always want more because the appetite of our flesh is so insatiable. Well, the Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 15, I, I think the great man of wisdom, Solomon, put it uh, in, in such eloquent terms. He says, the horse leech hath two daughters, crying give. There are three things that are never satisfied. 
Yea, four things say not, it is enough. The grave, in other words, the grave is never content. Bishop Myers was talking about the, the, uh, the, the cemetery that, that uh, we went and visited. And they said, yeah, this is a big area right here that we can use for, you know, First Pentecostal Church. And, you know, everybody can be buried together here and all that. And I said, well, how many acres do you all here, have here? And they said 40. And, but we're going to go all the way out to the interstate. And we're going over that way. And, and there, how, many more, how many more acres is that? Six, well, we have 100 acres. And, and I'm thinking, cemeteries are always expanding. Because you know why? It's in the Bible. The grave says not, it is enough. There's always going to have to be more room for more folks because that is the grave. And Solomon was saying that the grave doesn't have an appetite that's ever quenched. It's never, you know, reaches and says, okay, no more. We're not allowing any more folks to die, you know, over the next uh, couple of years. The grave is always taking more. And so Solomon says that. And the other is the barren womb. The barren womb is never satisfied. There's always that yearning, that longing to have a child. The earth that is not filled with water. You dump all this water on earth and it still takes more and rivers and tributaries and all the different ways that water forms on the earth, but it keeps absorbing. And the fire that saith not is a, I mean, a fire's appetite is never satisfied. It'll burn up a house. It'll burn up your, it does, it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't discriminate. It can be an animal. It can be a person. It can be a building. It can be a, a field. It can be a tree, but the appetite of a fire saith not it is enough and so when you read this you realize that the nature of not only our flesh but the nature of all of nature if I can say it that way is to consume is to never be satisfied but to always want more but ladies and gentlemen I have come today to tell you that the nature of God is different the nature of God is it is enough and you and I know people that live their lives and it's never enough it doesn't matter how much God blesses them it doesn't matter how much they achieve it doesn't matter how much they have they always want more always want more always want more I have a, a friend of mine who's an old uh, gentleman in this town he's been very kind to a lot of our missions and charitable country and he helps brother Jimmy and hands for healing and he's a good guy he's been a trial lawyer for years around this area but we've talked about this and he says you know David, he said, I've got friends that are attorneys and they're multimillionaires and started naming names. If I named them, you'd know them because they're attorneys in this area that advertise all the time. And he said, they have so much money, they don't know what to do with it. They've gone through four wives. They've got cars, they've got houses, and they got money in the Cayman Islands. He says, and I tell them, when is enough enough? He said, they're the most miserable people I know. And he said, they've got so much money. And he said, I'm always asking them, when is it going to be enough? And they always say, we don't know. We'll tell you after we get the next dollar. And they get the next dollar and it's not enough. And the next, and the next, and the next suit, and the lawsuit, and the next settlement, the next, and the next. And it's never enough. You know why? Because if you just operate in this flesh, your flesh is never satisfied. It's not until you get the nature of God in you. It's not until you get the spirit of God in you that raises up every day and say, thank you, Lord. I thank you for another day. There's still things I'd like to have, but I've got a good job. I've got reasonably good health. I've got a good family. I've got a good church. It is enough for me to give praise to God. It is enough for me to lift my hands and say great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. It's not your flesh that will lead you to that conclusion. It takes the nature of God. Now let's explore this for a few moments that I have you this morning. Job chapter 38 and verse 1 is, is a very interesting portion of scripture because Job had gone through some major trials we I think most of us know the premise of this in terms of the struggles of Job they're they're well documented even outside of scripture but Job was a person who who had a lot that we would think of in terms of affluence and in terms of accomplishments and family and wealth and so forth and the Lord was so proud of Job that when he he saw Satan roaming around. He said, where are you going? He said, I'm going to and fro on the earth. And the Lord said, have you considered my servant Job? I'm going to tell you something. When a person lives a life of faithfulness unto God, it honors God in the spirit world. 
And God says, have you considered my servant Job? He goes, well, yeah, he's serving you because of all the stuff you've given him. The Lord's like, I don't think so. Take all that away, but don't touch his body. And so Job goes through all these trials, and it's a test. And, and Job, you know, gets in the very lowest of the valley. And finally, the Lord even lifts a hedge, and the enemy attacks his health. And he's sitting in a pile of ashes, and he's just scraping all of his boils and his sores with, with shells. And, and it's just, you know, he's trying to find some sort of comfort. He's in so much pain, even in his body, and he's lost family members. He's lost his wealth, and his wife is like, why don't you curse God and die? And she walks away and friends come and they start making judgments on him that he must have sin in his life for him to go through so much stuff. You know, a lot of times when people can't understand trials and troubles, they, they, it's just our nature. It goes all the way back to the Old Testament. They look for a scapegoat. It's got to be something that went wrong. Somebody, you did something. something. It doesn't fit. doesn't make sense. Folks, a lot of things don't make sense. That's why you got to just trust God. I don't know when, I don't know how, I just know God is faithful. So I'm going to put one foot in front of the other and just keep going. So Job was struggling with all of this that was going on around him. And finally at some point he got, to the, he got, he got so desperate that he started challenging God. And then Job chapter 38 and verse 1 says, The Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. That's another message I want to preach. I don't have time today. The God of a whirlwind. You can think you've got everything in your life put together and God will send a whirlwind up in your life. Turn everything upside down. Say, I had everything all set. Everything was fixed. And I thought I had everything, every little box checked and God will turn everything upside down. He's the God of the whirlwind. So God answers Job out of the whirlwind and he says, who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? In other words, who are you to talk? You have no idea how things are even working around you. And he starts to go through all of nature. And do you know this? And can you figure out that? You know how you make a snowflake and, and this and that? And he goes through all of nature. And finally he gets down to verse 11. And this is the verse that just sort of resonated with my spirit. And said, hitherto shalt thou come, but no further. And here shall thy proud waves be stayed. He tells them about the oceans. And he says, are you the one that can tell the waves to come to this point, but no further? Are you the one that can draw a line in the seas? Are you the one that understands how waters can come together and yet not mix? Are you the one that can tell me how to bring water to a point and yet say it is enough and go no further? I've stood on the tip of Africa and I've seen the two oceans, the Atlantic Ocean and the Indian Ocean come together and the line that they create. I've seen the two mighty rivers as some of our men are going to see here in a couple of weeks in the Amazon where the, the Amazon River and the Rio Negro River come together in Manaus and they come together and they're two different colors and there's a line that runs all the way down the Amazon as these two rivers are coming together and yet they are discernibly different because they come together but they do not mix until miles down the Amazon. How is it that God can stand in the middle of the seas and say enough? They may even have a picture of it. That God can stand on the bow of the boat. There you go. There's two oceans that come together and yet it is enough. There's a boundary that's there though it is an invisible boundary. There's no wall in the ocean. There's no current that separates it. It's just two different oceans and a God that is able to say, it is enough and no further. You may feel like that the enemy's trying to overpass you and your marriage and your home and your finances and your family and your children and your health. But I've come to tell you about a God that can stand in the midst of your life and say, it is enough. No further. I want to exalt the name of Jesus today. I want to tell you about a God that is so great that if he can do that in oceans, don't you think he can do that in your life? Don't you think he can say it is enough? Don't you think that God, hallelujah, can put a leash on the forces of evil and say this addiction is not going to have control over you any longer? It is enough. God can stop the waves of despair. He can stand in the middle of a raging storm 
and speak to the waters and speak to the wind and say, peace be still. Being interpreted, it is enough. Like children playing too loud. The Lord can do that with nature. Enough. And he lay down at his feet like a scolded puppy dog. Enough. That's the master that you and I serve. You're not serving a weak God. You're not serving some puny, indifferent God that's somewhere beyond the Milky Way. He is touched by the feelings of your infirmities. When you've gone as far as you can go in your spirit, and you cry out to God and you say, Lord, I don't know what else to do. I've come to tell you about the God of enough that can step up on the bow of the boat of your own life circumstances and say it is enough. No further. And you'll begin to feel peace come over you that you cannot explain. And maybe you don't even understand. There's a lot of precedent in Scripture. 2 Samuel 24, 16, And when the angel stretched down his hand upon Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord repented him of the evil and said to the angel that destroyed the people, It is enough! Stay now thine hand! That's all God has to say is those three words right there. It is enough! I don't know what death angel has come over your home. I don't know what death angel has come over your house. I don't know what death angel has come over your marriage. But I've come to tell you about a God that's got all authority and all power. That can step up in the middle of your crisis and extend his hand and say, it's enough. You say, well, pastor, if he can do it, why doesn't he? Because it takes the prayers of righteous men and women to say, I'm going to the God of enough. I don't know what judgment this is I'm facing. I don't know what spirit this is I'm facing. But I know a God of mercy that will stay the hand of judgment and say it is enough. I don't know what spirit, I don't know what's causing it. I'm not smart enough to figure all that out. But all I know is that I trust in a God of mercy, hallelujah, that can say it is enough. I'm trusting in a God, hallelujah, that can reverse the course of action. I'm trusting in a God that can change the heart of my boss, that can change the heart of my spouse, that can change the heart of my family member. I'm trusting in a God, hallelujah, that can work in the invisible oceans of a of a person's emotions and say it is enough and bring victory in the midst of the storm would you lift your hands all over this building right now and would you lift your voice and call upon the God of enough This is why I'm asking this church to go on five days of consecration. We have people in this church that are addicted to substance abuse. They've got things going on in their life. There are people that are struggling with pornography. There are people that are struggling with drugs. There are people that are struggling with immorality. There are people that are struggling. You take any group of people this size and you go ahead and name it all. It's all there. Because we're dealing with flesh that knows not how to say it is enough. We're dealing with flesh that doesn't understand the boundaries of reason. We're dealing with flesh that constantly has a greater appetite. But I feel the Spirit of God coming upon First Pentecostal Church and saying, come on, First Pentecostal Church. It's time to be thankful. It's time to thank God that you've got another day. It's time to thank God for the children he's put in your life. It's time to thank God for every good gift that cometh down from the Father of lights. In our text, the Lord had finished the Last Supper. He had instructed Peter that he was not nearly as spiritual as he thought he was. He told him that he would deny the Lord three times before 
the morning came. And then as they prepared to leave to depart to the Mount of Olives, Jesus turns and says to his disciples, I sent you out without anything, but did you ever lack? No, nothing, Lord. We never had need of anything. We never had wealth as it would be identified by the world standards, but we never lacked. But now, Jesus says, if you got any money, take it with you. If you don't have a sword, you need to sell your coat and get one. Things are fixing to change. There's now 11 disciples. Things have already rapidly started to change as Judas has quickly left the group. And I can see him as they're all running out the door. And one of the disciples takes a quick inventory because the Lord has just dropped a bombshell on us. We never needed anything. We just walked with the Lord. He could make food appear. He could create. He could heal. He could touch it. And things just happened. We just walked with God. Manifest in the flesh. And, and yet now, he says, it's time. If you don't have a sword, you need to get one. Say, what? Now we need a sword? Yeah, and, and if you got any money, if you got a purse or a script, it'd be good for you to take it with you. Things are fixing to change. And I can see one of the disciples, the Bible doesn't identify who it is, but somebody takes a quick inventory of the group. Hey, you got a sword? No, I never got you. Somebody takes a quick count, and as they're going out the door, somebody runs up, hey, Jesus, we've only got two swords. And I can see the Lord turning around as they're on their way to the Mount of Olives and saying, it is enough. In other words, things are going to change, but one thing's not going to change. It's still enough. not going to be long my life's mission is going to be fulfilled the scripture is going to be fulfilled but guess what there is something that's not going to change those circumstances are fixing to drastically change one thing it's not going to change and that is it is enough I can still take what appears to be a lack of sufficiency and make it enough. Even though he had given them these instructions, and even though they had rallied to that and taken a quick inventory, and things are, are we got, now we got to have money, and now we got to have a sword, and, and but we only got two, and what are we going to do? And the Lord says, it's enough. That means the nature of God is not going to change. You don't realize it now, but I'm going to send the comforter, and it's going to be enough. You're going to ascend, you're going to go to heaven. He couldn't tell them all. It'd scare them all to death. He's just going to tell them, you're not as spiritual as you think you are. You're going to deny me, Peter, three times, and the, the word's got to be fulfilled and all of this, and the transgressors, and, and it's going to come. But it's enough. It's enough. My grace is sufficient. Later on, Paul prayed the prayer, and the Lord said, my grace is sufficient. Sufficient is the same word. It's enough. I don't know how I'm going to get through this, Lord. How are we going to make it? You're not here. We always just followed you. It's going to be enough. I'm going to send the Holy Ghost. I'm going to send the Comforter. It's going to be enough. I've come to tell somebody today that if you've got God, you've got all that you need. It is enough. If you know how to get a hold of God, if you know how to bow your knee in prayer, if you know how to reach out and to touch the throne of grace, it is enough. You spent all your money on the Powerball. Shame on you. They highlight three people. They don't highlight the millions of people that lost money. And you're singing in the rain or whatever he said, they can't pay your cell phone bill. But if you stay faithful to God, it is enough. You know, when I was a kid, we used to sing about the royal telephone. That meant there was some sort of a metaphor that was given to us. There was some valuable communication piece that we knew not of that you could talk to God in a time of trouble. I've been to remote places in, in Uganda, Africa, where nobody had a car or a bicycle, and I watched 
Young people go around with blue buckets handed out by the United Nations uh, simply looking for water. I've seen them dipping water out of mud puddles. Trying to just find clean water. Hardly had anything around their growing area to cover them up. But in the midst of that, they had cell phones. Walking down the street barefooted with a cell phone. Who are they talking to? Brother Sims was teaching one lesson, and his interpreter was one of the uh, local pastors, and we were doing a conference with some district leaders, and they'd huddled, huddled under this big makeshift type of a, of a building. It wouldn't even seem like a building to us, but it was a beautiful building to them, and had a roof, and had some poles, and everybody came there, and we were teaching, and, and while Brother Sims was teaching, this pastor's cell phone rang. And he answered it, said something in, in their dialect. And then he turned to Brother Sims and he said, I'm going to have to take this and disappeared out the side door. Brother Sims is standing there. He said, um, is there anybody here that can translate for me so I can finish this sermon? <laughs> but that was a status thing, boy, to get a cell phone call in the middle of a service got to take this I'm very important I need a cell phone I got to thinking what good is it to have a cell phone if you can't communicate with heaven everybody's got to have a cell phone now kids have got to have cell phones. my boys are all here telling me they're friends that have cell phones I'm like I don't care everybody in Bavard County gets a cell phone except you <laughs> you're not getting one because I know what teenagers do on cell phones. You, well, it's for emergency purposes. Blah, 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 blah. Dial 911. <laughs> but that's the world we live in. I got to have this. I got to have that. I'm as guilty as anybody. We get a cell phone. Here comes the new one. Here comes the six. Here comes the success. Here comes a bigger screen. Here comes a smaller screen. I can't figure out if we're supposed to have big or little. Some things are getting small, some things are getting big, some things are getting small. I can't figure it out, but whatever it is, everybody will stand in line at the Apple store to get the newest version of iPhone. Ladies and gentlemen, what good does all of that do us if we don't know how to get a hold of God? I've come to tell you about a God that can give you contentment, peace in your innermost being to say it is enough. This is what he was trying to tell his disciples. He was trying to say, I'm still going to be the God of enough. Now I'm going to change. It's not going to be me walking down here in shoe leather. But he's saying, bring your depleted emotional hearts. Bring your hurts and your scars. Bring those voids. And bring them to the God of enough. Because he can fill every void. He can heal every scar. Ladies and gentlemen, you may think you have done too much, that you have gone too far, that God would never give you another chance. But the Bible says, my grace is sufficient. My grace is enough. When he only had a little boy's lunch to feed a crowd of thousands in the hands of the Lord, it was enough. Oh, but we used, to, we used to have so much more. We used to have this. We used to have that. It is enough. Come on, ladies and gentlemen. God's wanting to spiritually transform the church. Get off of this roller coaster of materialism. Back up from it all. It is enough. It is. In a world that's continually wanting more, God is enough. He may not give you everything that you want, but it'll be enough. You'll find a contentment that you could never find in this world. I read a story that I share with you now in closing. One day, a father and his rich family, they took their only son on a trip to the country with the purpose to show him how poor people can be. They spent a day at a and a night on a farm of a very poor family. 
When they got back from their trip, the father asked his son, how was the trip? Very good, dad, replied the boy. The dad said, did you see how poor people can be? The boy said, oh yeah, I sure did. He said, what did you learn? The boy said, I saw that we have a dog at home and they have four. We have a pool that reaches to the middle of the garden. They have a creek that has no end. We have imported lamps in the garden. They have the stars. Our patio reaches to the front yard, but they have a whole horizon. When the little boy was finished, his father was speechless. And his son then added, thanks, Dad, for showing me how poor we are. Good God Almighty. Isn't it true that it all depends on the way you look at things? You have love, you have friends, you have family, you got health, a sense of humor, a positive attitude towards life. And most importantly, if you've got God in your heart, you are a rich man or woman. It is enough. you can't buy any of those things and then you can have all the material possessions that you can imagine provisions for the future and etc but if you are poor of spirit you don't have an appreciation for God ladies and gentlemen you have nothing one thing you lack Jesus told the rich young ruler go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor and the Bible says that the man turned away sorrowfully isn't it interesting that the one thing that the man lacked was his abundance and what he was doing with it. That almost seems like an oxymoron. But Jesus will empty you so he can fill you. I said Jesus will empty you so he can fill you. The Bible says it this way in the New Testament. You can stand to your feet. The Bible says it this way in the New Testament. Don't worry about tomorrow. Today is enough. There's enough evil that is sufficient for this day. You don't have to worry about tomorrow and the things that are out of your control. You can put them in the hands of God. Here's the question that I have for you today, my friend. Aren't you tired of chasing rainbows? Aren't you tired of false hope? Promises that were not kept? Yes, you can go through life playing the odds, hoping for a spiritual lottery. Or today, you can receive a sure thing. Something that 100 out of 100 people can receive. The greatest gift known to man. The gift of the Holy Spirit. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. You say, how do you know, preacher, that that gift is enough? Bible says that when Jesus went away and he sent the spirit that it filled the house where they were sitting there was, it, it, it was it was so much more than enough that it spilled out into the streets because yes God is a God of abundance but he's also the God of contentment and the thing that I see lacking in our culture today is a sense of contentment that you can lay your head on a pillow at night and say, all is well. It is well with my soul. You remember that old song we used to sing? It is well, it is well. I'm asking God to give us a sense of contentment. You say, Pastor, how can I receive that? You've got to recognize that he's enough. He's got enough to conquer every one of your fears. It's enough to heal all of your scars. It's enough to save your souls. It's enough to give you and I everything that we need physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally. It is enough. Would you bow your heads and would you close your eyes? I love how God takes something so vast and makes it so simple. Broke it down really into just 
three easy steps. Repent. Be baptized in Jesus' name. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Say, is that going to be enough? It's going to be more than enough. Because if I can get my soul right, everything else will follow. I wonder this morning, while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, you desire for the Lord to give you that sense of peace and contentment. I wonder if you would step out from where you're standing right now. Would you make your way down to this altar? Would you stand down front? Would you lift your hands and your voice and your heart? And would you say, I want to worship the God of enough? Maybe you've never repented of your sins. Maybe you've never been baptized in Jesus' name. People are coming from all over the building. You're welcome to join. Maybe you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. But this morning you feel His love, His Spirit, His presence overwhelming you. And you can feel Him coming into your heart. Why don't you respond to it right now? Come down to this altar. There are people here that will pray with you. They will put their hand on you or lift your hand in prayer. And they will pray with you. You're not going to be by yourself. But there's a God, hallelujah, that wants to give you a revelation today. It is enough. Maybe it's been years since you were saved, but you feel like that God wants to give you a sense of peace and contentment. Maybe there's some things that's on your horizon that have been troubling you and you're not even even sure how to identify it. Come on, let the God of enough satisfy your soul. Won't you let him reach out right now? Let him still the troubled waters of uncertainty. He will speak into your life. That's it. Come on down. Press down real close if you would. There's room. There's room, there's room in the cross for you. Come on, there's a God that loves you and he's reaching for you. That's it, all over the building. Now lift up your voices and lift up your heads. God of enough will minister to you.